listening to Her Body on Body IOFM, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance, with your host, Alex Navarro. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm your host, Alex Golodriga, and today's solo cast is going to be a follow-up to my previous episode regarding my competition prep and the strategies and diet and training adjustments that I made in preparation for the WBFF Pro-AM competition this past April of 2019. And a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about today is what I did after the show, Um, diet training-wise, what I did, some of the um, mental and emotional things that came up during that time, which are all normal parts of post-competition, and a lot of the strategies that I intentionally put into play before the show in the months and weeks leading up to the competition so that I ensured I was going into the show for the right reasons, again, both mentally and emotionally, so that when I got off the stage, I would be prepared for any feelings um, that would come up naturally after an event like that. So if you've listened to any of my past episodes regarding competition prep, um, I had one not too long ago with Shanae Momoko, where we talked about our different competition experiences with different coaches and just how important the mindset part of competition prep is because it can be a very slippery slope in terms of body image and how you're feeling about yourself, especially if you have specific expectations for an event like that and you don't meet them. (laughs) Or even if you do meet them, maybe you surpass them. You've also now potentially added another layer layer of pressure on yourself and expectations around how you should continue to look, how you should continue to train, the mindset that you maintain after an event like that. So a lot of what I want to share today are some diet and training specifics that I did, some things that I implemented, a few things that I experimented with, because again, this whole concept of competing again after so many years was I did want to run a few of my own experiments. I wanted to try out some new techniques both in my training and diet and post-show was just another great opportunity to run some of those experiments. And what I found really interesting during, well, during the prep to begin with, and I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, was sort of expecting the unexpected in life and allowing room for you to experience all the things that you can't plan for as they come up. So whether you're preparing for competition, whether you're preparing for um, a launch of a project or you're working on a project with work and you sort of have a deadline that you're working towards, it can add a lot of uh, pressure onto yourself. It can sort of give you that tunnel vision in terms of like, this is the only thing that matters. I'm going to put these other things off to the side for the time being while I focus all of my time and attention and energy 
on achieving this task and then I'll get to the other things later. Well, for me, that wasn't a priority and that was an intention that I set early on in the prep for the competition around these are my priorities, my family, my son, and these are things that need to remain a priority throughout the prep and that therefore I need to catch myself anytime I start to, you know, meander away from those priorities or start to get caught up in the conversation in my head around my own expectations, what I expect of myself to be able to do, what I expect my body to be able to do in such a short period of time while giving it, nourishing it, making sure I was eating in a way that not only fueled my body, but that nourished me emotionally so that I wouldn't have the potential aftermath after the show that a lot of competitors experience. And I've dedicated an entire episode to that topic alone. Um, I will try to remember which episode it is and point to it in the show notes for any of you who might be interested in checking that out. So a really brief recap on the preparation for the show. I mentioned in the last episode that I did um, deal with several unexpected scenarios, experiences that I couldn't have predicted. And while they did throw me off of my game a little bit, they were really great reminders as to what my priorities are and will continue to be and what my perspective on this whole process should actually be. And while that was helpful getting home after the show, it was also tough in that you know, you, you spend an entire weekend away being in this very different world where it's a world that I've, I, I knew very well in, in prior years when I was competing a lot. And it's easy to get very caught up in that scene of everybody's looking really good. Everybody's super lean and we're all tan and just looking, you know, quote unquote, looking our best. And there's a lot of pressure to show up and look good at a show like that. And there's a lot of pressure to (laughs) look that way after the show. And what a lot of people don't think about, especially for a competitor who has a family, and it might be different for a male competitor than it is for a mom, but regardless of what that weekend brings for you, regardless of whether you win and you get crowned, you know, the champion, or you walk away with no recognition whatsoever, um, you still go home on Monday and you're you. You still have the same responsibilities that you had before you left on Friday before the show. (laughs) You know, if you didn't do laundry before you left, it's still there on Monday. So it is um, a reality check like no other. And part of why I set certain expectations for myself, or I, I might even say lack of expectations for myself, for the show at least, as the results of the show and placing well, um, that did definitely help me keep perspective and know that I was just really going to have a good time. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to remember what it was like to be on stage and have that experience and have my husband and my friends and my family um you know, sort of see all the the weeks and months of hard work uh, accumulate on stage and, you know, shine bright like a diamond. And I did all of that. And it was 
super fun and um, such a great reminder of why I used to do it for so many years because I love being on stage and I love having that um, that moment to sort of not be myself because if, if you followed me on social media and things I've shared through the podcast is I'm I'm a little bit shy. Um, I am not super open. I'm a very private person. I don't share publicly a lot about like my relationships and my family and things like that. Uh, but, but there's something about stepping on that stage that it gives me like a rush of you can be anything that you want to be when you're up there. And it's just not, it's not an experience that I've been able to replicate <laughs> in any other way, except for being up there on stage. And when I first started, it actually was a matter of creating this sort of alter ego, this alternative person that I had a name for. Um, and I could be her when I would get up on stage because I, I came across way too shy and timid the first few times that I did it. And I knew that if I wanted to do it again, then I would have to create a person to be up there. And uh, she has such a fun, fun time in her heels and sparkly bikini and sort of <laughs> sort of showing off in a, a way that I would never normally do. So again, I, I accomplished all of the things that I wanted to in being up there and showing up fully. And it's an experience that yeah, maybe I'll do again. I don't know. It's not on the top of my list right now. <laughs> I got enough things going on. But Again, it gave me that perspective. It gave me that reminder of like, yes, this is why I decided to do it. And I accomplished all the things that I set out to. Um, getting second place in a show of that caliper against women of that caliper. Um, having not done it in in seven years, it was, uh, I could not have been happier with the result. I was hoping just to be, you know, not fall on stage and like do all the right poses that I had practiced. So getting second place was really a great feeling and I could tell my family was excited and it was just uh, a great way to end the weekend. So in saying that, I obviously had a plan in place for the nutrition side of things after the show. It's a plan that I've used in, used in the past for myself, used for competitors over the years. It's a plan that I, I know works really well in terms of refueling your body, nourishing your body, allowing for that recovery window, um, but also knowing that, you know, I'm giving myself a lot more freedom in food during that week, but still allowing enough structure to where I wouldn't go crazy, um, sort of playing with that line. And, and I'll go into some details shortly about what that looks like. And when it came to training, I was uh, far more relaxed around that. I knew I needed some time off. I wasn't really sure what that was going to look like when I first got home. And part of that was because, like I mentioned in the last podcast, um, we had an unexpected event happen um, with my son. And, you know, I sort of put things on hold in I want to say dealing with that, but uh, processing that for myself prior to the show. And I knew that it was going to be something that I would be faced with again when I got home. And one thing I did not anticipate was just how much 
it was going to impact me when I did get home. And perhaps it's because, you know, I, I really turned it off for that week and that might have just amplified things. Um, also, coming back from an event like that, regardless of what's going on in your life, it's taxing. It's emotionally taxing. It's energetically taxing. Again, I'm, I'm an introvert. So when I'm in sort of have to be on for an extended period of time, it does require a lot of downtime afterwards to recharge um, and refill up my, my energy tank. So having been gone for like three days straight and just being on literally the entire time and then obviously exuding a tremendous amount of um, energy on stage. It's, um, I was beyond depleted when I got home on Monday. So, you know, imagine coming home and then you're already depleted and then you're faced with all of these things that you sort of put to the side before you left. And, uh, it really hit me hard that week. So I think I even made a post on social media about the fact that I just wanted to sleep and for someone to bring me food because <laughs> that's literally all I could muster up. Um, but at the same time, like I still had to pick my son up every day from daycare and hang out with him and be mom and do all of the things that I had done before. So I couldn't, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to just turn it off. I didn't have the opportunity to lay around and take it easy, which in retrospect, I really should have scheduled in. I should have known, you know, and I did schedule in some, but clearly not enough because that caught up to me really quick in the weeks following. It also didn't help that my husband, uh, he had two business trips planned in the month of April. So both two consecutive weekends after the show, he was gone, which meant just a little bit more work on my part because I didn't have that extra support at home. And, you know, we knew that that was going to happen. It happens every April. But again, it's sort of the, all of these things happening at the same time was a lot. It was a lot. And I didn't allow myself the space to manage it all well. I didn't allow my spa- myself the space to relax or to not be so hard on myself around the things that weren't getting done or the things that I should have been doing, like recording a podcast and sharing about my experience. And the longer that I put off sort of processing everything and reflecting on everything, the deeper the hole I dug for myself, essentially. And what's interesting is there were a lot of I would say, um, biological things that happened, physiological responses that I was getting during that time. Um, I'll talk about that in a little bit more detail soon, but you know, I had, uh, the emotional stuff that was coming up, the conversations in my head that were happening around, you know, you're not doing enough here. You, you're still tired. Um, you should be doing this. You're not doing that. And, a, that's, that's really hard to turn off for anybody, but I tell my clients to do it all the time. Um, but it's a much harder conversation to actually have with yourself. And then there was the, the physical side effects that I were having, the physical symptoms or the cues that were my body was actually giving me that I wasn't taking the time to rest, that I was still dealing with some stress, um, 
and what's interesting is it showed up in two ways. It showed up in my training. So I was highly unmotivated. I did not want to be there. Um, I felt weak in the gym. I was regressed, regressed in a lot of the weights that I had been using in exercises. Um, and I had written myself a new program a new three-day-a-week program, so I didn't, like, add any exercise. Um, But I just really didn't feel like going. And when I got there, I didn't feel like doing anything. My warm-ups took forever. And I'm like, I just need to put on fun music. I need to have another cup of coffee. You know, all those conversations went on in my head. And what I probably should have just done instead was go on a walk or take a nap, which I did a couple times. um, But I think I should have done it more and really listened to what my body was telling me, use it as a sign, Again, our body tells us things all day long. It's just whether we choose to pay attention and listen. Take action around it is very different, which I understand. It's a challenge for a lot of people. And then the other area that it showed up, um, less obviously, but it was obvious for me because it was so not my norm, is that even though I was allowing more flexibility in my diet, I was still having cravings and I do not get cravings. I haven't had cravings in years, mostly because I'm pretty, I have a lot of moderation in my life and if I want something, I have it. So (laughs) I don't really have opportunities where I'm like, I really want this, but I shouldn't have it. And that conversation coming up in my head around, this isn't part of the plan. Um, And the cravings were a stress response. They were not cravings because I wasn't eating enough. They weren't cravings because I wasn't allowing myself to have certain things. They were literally like a stress response. It was me opening my fridge over and over again, searching for something that wasn't there. And it's not because I didn't have treats in the house because I always have treats in the house. Um, I just don't normally need them or want them. Um, But I kept finding myself searching for things and wanting to snack. And snacking is, again, it's a stress response for me and it is for a lot of people. So I knew that that's what was happening. And I knew that I needed to do something productive about it besides having a snack. Like that's not fixing anything. That's not changing anything. That's just sort of reinforcing the fact that I'm stressed and then I'm going to feel bad about snacking. So it was really interesting between how I felt in the gym and how I kept opening that stupid refrigerator looking for something that wasn't there because that's not what I needed. What I needed was to take care of myself and I still hadn't really done that. Like I kept telling myself that I was doing it, but I hadn't really done it. And about a month later, so it was almost exactly a month after the competition. Um, well, I guess I'll back. I won't jump there quite yet. Let me backtrack for a second and talk specifics about diet um, before I get into the other stuff. So there's a lot of conversation on the internet, on IG, on Facebook uh, lately, or it has been for a while, but on reverse dieting and what that means and what that looks like. And is it something that you should do? And to be honest, it, it could mean a lot of different things. I think uh, diet breaks could be another way of describing it. It's it's an opportunity to whether you're reintroducing certain foods or you're 
certain macros or you're changing, increasing calories, um, there's definitely a time and a place for that. And I, while I wouldn't call what I do post-comp necessarily a reverse diet, um, I do think of it as a great opportunity to take advantage of a post-diet window. So specifically for someone who's competing, you get to such a depleted state, especially in that last week leading up to the show, that afterwards, there's actually a great opportunity for growth. Um, So if there's areas of your body that you want to work on or skills that you want to work on, you can utilize that opportunity and really take advantage of it if your diet and your training are sort of aligned to allow that to happen. And again, there's several ways in which someone could structure that. Um, But one way that I've structured it for myself and for other competitors is to reintroduce uh, more carbs more often. Again, we've just come from a very depleted state um, and perhaps we've been stricter, quote unquote stricter, or more strategic about carbs in the um, months, weeks leading up to the competition. So reincorporating more carbohydrates more often can be of great benefit. Um, It's also going to help with that sort of (laughs) mindset shift around um, restriction and moderation. So trying to find a balance there. And so this is basically how the the two weeks post-show went is the night after the show or the night of the show. um, I just had whatever I wanted. (laughs) And at that point, I just wanted some water and I really wanted a cocktail. So um, I had those things. Um, I also had a photo shoot the next day. So I didn't want to go totally hog wild, but also because um, the show gets out really late and it's already, it was literally like 1230 at night by the time I had dinner. So it was also a matter of just eating as much as I could really quick and then going to bed because I had an early morning the next day. And I had actually planned to have, planned to have carbs that night after the photo shoot. So on Sunday night, um, that was the, the plan originally. It was, it was basically to keep it fairly low carb earlier in the day. Also for the sake, I was doing a photo shoot pretty much all day and there really weren't, wasn't a lot of opportunities to sit down and like have a meal. Um, there was a lot of snacking that day, which I anticipated. So that night I, I did plan to have carbs and things just didn't work out. I stayed with a girlfriend and she literally had like no food in the house. Um, so she, <laughs> she um, grilled me up she's a, an old school competitor. So she actually grilled me up some asparagus and tilapia, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but I was so hungry at that point that I just ate it. I went to bed. So come Monday, I was like, I'm definitely having carbs tonight. And my plan at that point was to have basically backload all of that week. So I stayed low carb in the earlier parts of the day, every day for the next seven days. And I had carbs every night. And I did set some intentions around having carbs every night and that I wanted something different every night. I wanted whether it was a different type of food or a different type of carb. I wanted to experience all of these different things. And I I had a general game plan in my head around what that would look like. And that did include, um, like Monday night, we had a date night with my husband and we got to go out. We got a babysitter and we were able to... um, just like enjoy each other's company because I didn't actually see him very much over the weekend at all. I think I saw him for like 10 minutes and then for dinner after the show. (laughs) And then he flew back to be with our son 
on Sunday morning. So it was a great opportunity for us to just catch up and sort of reflect on the weekend. And I was like, what did you think of the show? And this is how I feel right now. And also, again, just sort of touch on our son because we had been dealing with with all of that stuff at the same time. So I enjoyed my myself. Um, the rest of the week looked very similarly in that I just had lots of different yummy things. I didn't go crazy because I knew that I was going to be able to have more the next day and the next day and the next day. And I, again, I tried to stay in touch with my body as best that I could. But like I mentioned earlier, there were still a lot of unexpected feelings that came up, um, that had nothing to do with food. And it was just interesting how I didn't actually turn to food at that point. Those cravings that I talked about earlier didn't kick in until about week two, which makes sense both with where I was at post-comp, but also with dealing with the other life factors that I've already shared. And after the initial week of doing carb backloading every night, then I actually dropped back down and did every other night. So I was doing an every other night CBL, still had the same approach around choosing different carbs that sounded good, um, kind of using that as an experiment also to see by reintroducing um, this variety of food. How, how am I feeling? How are these carbs making me feel? And these are experiments that I've run for myself in the past, but it's always good to have refreshers when you're running new experiments like this. Again, using those as new opportunities to see, has my body changed? Is my reaction different? Um, you know, I had rice one night. I had tacos one night. I did burger and fries one night. Uh, there were two nights where I skipped carbs with dinner altogether and I just went straight for dessert, <laughs> um, which I love too. And I love having that flexibility and being able to make those choices. You know, sometimes carbs for dinner just aren't that exciting to me, but ice cream sounds fantastic. So being able to choose what you want and make it work, um, definitely sort of take some of the pressure off and and the freedom around being able to incorporate these foods and have them work to your advantage and then like aesthetically speaking how I looked was um I actually felt like I got leaner and tighter in that first week which is not uncommon um especially for myself and knowing how I process carbs and how well I can handle them at this point in my like sort of carb night, carb backloading journey. And so I kind of would teetered on the line of like, what's just enough, what's too much. Um, and that's something that's very obvious for me to pay attention to in my body after so much time. So it really wasn't until about three weeks in that I started to notice other things. So that's sort of when the cravings kicked in, that snacky urge kicked in. I also started experiencing some digestional issues, um, more so like a little bit of bloating, um, I want to say gas, but more bloating, like I could hear percolation in my stomach, which is like not a normal for me. So I knew something was off and it took a few days of me troubleshooting to determine that it was very much stress related. So it also aligned appropriately with my desire to snack on things that I don't normally want to snack on. 
And it also aligned with just, you know, my, it was the second weekend that my husband was gone and that we're going into the third week. And I had just not had any opportunity to rest. And in retrospect, that's something that I should have asked for. Um, I should have reached out to a friend. I should have asked for a little bit support. I didn't allow myself to have a lot of downtime. And I gave my, myself the excuse of, you know, you, you just took so much time to prepare for this event and you have catch-up work to do and you have responsibilities to take care of. And, you know, all of that chatter sort of went on in my head and it, um, I, I just let it, I let it run away. Like I just totally ran with it. I didn't try to talk myself out of it. I sort of just dug myself a deeper hole <laughs> and that's when my body started rebelling against me. So I'm like, my stomach doesn't feel very good. I'm getting enough sleep, but I'm not feeling rested. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute and just how much my sleep affects me and how obvious it is when it's not going well. Um, it's sort of like a dime, downhill, uh, like, like a, what do you call it? Uh, an a, Not an avalanche, but like, you know, I think of a, of a cartoon with like the the snowball starts really small and then it starts to go down the hill and it builds up more snow and it becomes this like giant snow boulder that's just like headed to crash into the town. Um, that's kind of <laughs> how I felt um, at that point. And it was, it was not hard to catch in the moment at all. Again, in retrospect, it was like, I was getting all of these very clear signals from my body that like things, you know, you're not doing what you should be doing to take care of yourself. And I, I just chose to, um, ignore it or pretend like it wasn't that important because I had more important things to do, which I feel like is a conversation that a lot of us have with ourselves. And it's, um, it's really hard to get out of. It's super hard. And it wasn't until we had a very similar event happen with our, with our son. So it was almost exactly what had happened before, uh, happened again. So it was about four weeks after the show. And it wasn't until a few days after that had happened for the second time that I realized just how deep in the hole I was, <laughs> um, how much space I really needed to give myself, how much processing time I needed to give myself. And what was interesting again was the response that my body was giving me, like it was screaming at me at this point around, like you need to take care of yourself. You, you need to just in it for anybody who's processed any sort of traumatic event or had an emotional experience, whether it was, um, you know, acute trauma or something like very, very specific and big and huge, um, that affected you. If you don't allow that time to process, because there's so many different emotions and experiences to process, um, it'll really just start to show up in very inconvenient, um, perhaps inappropriate ways, like getting mad at your husband or being snappy or, um, feeling really bad in your body. Like I was holding water like crazy and I could not figure out what it was because I was choosing not to look there. Um, instead I was getting upset with myself as to like, why are you feeling this way, this way? What did you eat that made you feel this way? When at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with my food it had everything to do with the fact that I was stressed out, (laughs) 
that I was having some like PTSD and wasn't sleeping and would wake up in the middle of the night in a panic and not be able to have, you know, huge um, adrenaline rush and not be able to go back to sleep and having enough nights of that happening and watching your body's response to that. um, Again, it became very obvious what the problem was. But it's one thing to recognize the problem and it's another thing to actually do something about it. Right? I'm sure. There are several people who are nodding their heads saying, yes, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Because it is hard to have that conversation with yourself and check yourself and say, like, this is what we should be doing right now instead of what we're actually doing. And stop talking yourself out of doing the work. Which, to be honest, the work for me is like, just be by yourself and feel what you need to feel and let that come out however it's going to come out. And that meant doing a lot of journaling, um, which then sort of mustering through all the different voices and conversations in your head, you're a bit better able to identify thoughts and feelings. And I think putting them out on paper is something I have clients do often, um, especially in regards to food. I mean, it's, food is an obvious place for a lot of people that things show up, uh, but if you're not willing to look at food in that way, you won't realize the connection. So snacking one was huge. So anytime at that point that I felt like I wanted to walk towards that fridge, I would sit down and either just be with myself and think about what I was feeling at in that moment, or I, I would journal about it. And that helped tremendously. It at least helped to like, I think of that, the journal is like, you know, I'm, I'm in the hole and someone like throws a rope in and I'm like, oh, okay, I can, I can choose to grab the rope or I can just sit there and look at it <laughs> and then decide what to do later. Um, but again, I just started experimenting with different tools that I know have worked for me in the past, tools that I recommend to clients all the time. And then maybe I should take my own advice and implement them for myself, which I did. And it took me another couple weeks to fully process things and fully release sort of all of the angst and anxiety and fears and stress that I had been experiencing and holding on to and, and really release those and sort of be at peace with what had happened and where things are now and how we're doing as a family and how I'm doing and how I'm taking care of myself. And again, sort of full circle back to priorities and perspective. And things that I should have been reminding myself of in all of those weeks, but chose not to for some reason or another. Um, everything happens for a reason, I feel like. And even if this, you know, was for my own sake and relearning all of the things that I've learned before, um, or me being able to share this experience and share different ways that you might be dealing or managing stress or not managing it and how that's reflecting in other parts of your life, whether it's in your training and you're just not motivated in the gym or you're feeling weak, like physically weak. I was actually emotionally weak and that's showing up in my physical body, um, dealing with stress, not sleeping well and feeling, uh, you know, cortisol levels are rising and I'm feeling digestion issues. I'm like more bloated than I've ever been before. I'm holding onto water more than I normally would. Um, you know, looking at the obvious signs and thinking like, 
how am I feeling about myself? How am I feeling on the day to day? And how is this showing up in my body? And it really wasn't until I, oh, and then I'll just backtrack again for the sake of being clear on what I was doing with my diet. At that point, I was back on like a normal carb night schedule, um, still with a lot more flexibility and being lax in certain areas. If I wanted, you know, a little bit of carbs one night, that wasn't a carb night, I would have them. Um, but trying also not to feed into that snacking urge that I had, especially once I, once I identified that it was a stress response and not a physiological response of like, I need carbs because I've been training hard because for me, that's a very different sensation in my body. Something that I've been able to clearly identify in the past. So being that I was on like a fairly normal routine with my food, but still experiencing those physiological effects, I knew that it had nothing to do with my diet. I knew that it had everything to do with how I was feeling, how I was not managing everything else around me, <laughs> managing myself, managing my feelings, taking care of myself. So I got a game plan in place and, you know, gave myself the space, um, thought about workouts in a different way that would hopefully get me excited and then giving myself flexibility around, well, if you don't feel like doing it, don't go do it. Like if you go to the gym and you want to play instead, go play. Like I needed some fun. I needed some lighthearted approach to a lot of the things that I had been doing, um, which also meant playing with food a little bit more. I, you know, I busted out old recipes that I hadn't tried in a long time. I was trying to find other fun, creative ways that I could be playful. And for me, that often shows up in food because I love food. Um, I was, you know, experimenting with different food to feed my son and seeing how he responded and using those more as opportunities to connect and feel and experience different sensations in your body, whether it's tastes and smells and, um, you know, food experiences, which again, something I've talked about plenty of times and how important those are, especially when it comes to your family and dinner time is a time that I want. I want that to be a family experience and I want that to be something that creates good memories and good feelings for my son as he gets older. And, um, and so using food and being playful there was a good opportunity for me to be present in those moments and remember what our, my priorities are and have perspective around them. So those were a few ways that I sort of took advantage of my diet and my training and were able to adjust it around taking care of myself and get and nourishing myself in a variety of ways. So we're at this point and when this podcast will probably come out, we're about eight weeks post competition and I am feeling hundred percent better. I feel like myself again, um, got my normal routine down, which I'm like a very structured routine oriented person. So, um, which is probably why when unexpected events happen, it like fully throws me off of my game. Um, but it's also a good reminder that life is going to happen and <laughs> however structured you like to be or want to be or try to be, um, you have to plan for the unexpected and learn how to just sort of ride that wave when it comes because it's going to come again. And there's a lot of un 
unpredictability and predictability unpredictable is that the right word anyways with children friend for those of you who have kids i'm sure you know and we're i feel like we're still just starting off so <laughs> we're we're reaching uh, the 2 year mark for my son and it's uh it's a whole new ball game now so we're uh personalities are coming out and we're we're really learning about each other and getting to know each other on this um much deeper level which is so fun and so exhausting um <laughs> i thought i was on before and i'm like 100% on but again it's also given me a whole new perspective i am literally stopping to smell the flowers on a regular basis we stop and crunch on leaves and pick up rocks and look at the clouds and it's i'm fully in the present in the now when i am with him and it is awesome and it's such a good reminder of where we should all spend time to some some extent to at some point in our days in our weeks um just good reminders and you know there's a lot of other things that i feel like i've learned about myself and about just experience it like parenthood <laughs> big time and sort of where you fit in that big picture um, during these last eight weeks. And while interestingly enough, it has like very little to do with the competition for those of you who have ever competed or ever have the inclination to compete, like keeping in mind all of these things and how they play a role in any sort of goal that you're working towards knowing that you can only control so much and sometimes being over controlling or hyper focused on these like details around diet and training they're still only going to do so much for you in terms of helping you reach your goal if you don't have the rest of your shit together it won't matter it won't you're just going to drive yourself crazy. You're going to dig yourself into a hole that maybe you look really good on the hole, but like no one's going to see you down there. Okay. It's kind of how I felt. <laughs> like, yeah, I look really good and I'm in a bikini, but like I'm in a hole that no one wants to be in with me. So like what fun is that? Um, so thinking about it, big picture, keeping those priorities and having that perspective in anything that you're doing um, is going to be helpful it's going to be important it's going to make the process more enjoyable it's going to make it more interesting you're going to learn so much more about yourself um, on not only like a physiological stance like how your body is responding to but like mentally where you go emotionally where you go in times of stress or restriction or like I have to go to the gym and do all of these things in order to reach this goal like Yes, there is a time and a place for structure. There is a time and a place to like have laser laser focus and like tune everything else out. Um, but those moments should be quick moments. Those should not last a substantial amount of time. You will burn out. Um, you will lose sight of why you were doing it in the first place. And these are all important things to keep in mind. So one thing I like to talk about with clients um, in terms of like, looking at goal setting is do it in a quarterly fashion or in a seasonal way like 12 weeks at a time is a very reasonable amount of time to work towards a specific goal you can sort of you know plan ahead three months in advance looking at a year down the road is way too far 
Like, yes, you can have your big picture goal, but then you need to break it up into these quarterly or seasonally seasonal goals that are realistic within that time frame. Because seasons change, circumstances change, activities change, weather changes. There's too many changing influences that take place like within three months or outside of three months that you need to keep in mind when you're setting your goals. Um, this is summertime right now. So there are, I'm having a lot of conversations with clients around how do I navigate the summer? How do I navigate a, my kids being home more often, me needing to give them more time or someone's going on vacation or they have trips coming up. Like what do I, everyone's freaking out. What do I do? How do I, how do I make progress? And it's when that is the goal, they're, they're kind of already setting themselves up for failure because they're having this unrealistic expectation of what they can achieve during this season. And that's not to say that they can't have a game plan in place, but I think being realistic about what that game plan entails, what's realistic for that person, like really having that honest conversation, like, can you do this without sacrificing X, Y, and Z? And if you do sacrifice those, will it be worth it in the end? Probably not. So thinking about goals and how you set them and the time frame of those goals and being open to reevaluating if four weeks in the process, you realize this isn't working for me. That's okay. There is a time, again, there's a time and a place to sort of like put your head down and just grind and just do it, but it should not be something that you do for a long period of time. And I still hope that you're paying attention along the way because when that time is up and you didn't pay attention, you're going to be worse off than you were before. And while that has happened to me plenty of times after a competition, I feel like I did all of the right things um, leading up to the show to prevent that from happening. But again, life throws things at you that you can't plan for. And I learned a lot during that time of navigating new experiences and being in tune with myself and my needs and listening to them and actually fulfilling them um, is probably going to be an ongoing practice for me like it is for most people. But I feel like every time that happens, I'm gathering more tools from a toolbox to be able to refer to the next time something happens. Like shit will hit the fan eventually in some way or another, whether it's like um, actual shit, because like, you know, a kid like learned how to take his diaper off and throw it, which is like hasn't happened yet. But I'm like fearing that day that it does because I've heard about that, um, <laughs> you know, or like your dog getting sick and like didn't make it outside in time. Like literally there's shit, the shit's hitting the fan. Um you can't plan for those things and all you can do is like learn from each experience and gather more tools to refer to moving forward. So I could um, ramble on and on about this topic because it's obviously something that I'm passionate about and have learned a lot from and feel like there's value there, but I will stop myself before I get carried away. Um, There were a couple more like data points that I wanted to touch on before I wrap up today. And it's actually something that I meant to share um, on my last podcast was I did do some DEXA scans throughout my prep. Um, I did three. Well, yeah, I did three and I did them about three, four months apart. 
So I did one last October of 2018, and that was literally just out of curiosity. I was like, I haven't done one since before my son. I'm really curious. I have no idea where I'm at. Um, I sort of had been out of the, you know, competition phase for so long that I, I feel like I had a skewed vision of like what my body fat percentage was and weight's never been a concern for me. It's not a number that I feel like has value, but again, curious. Um, the last time I had weighed myself prior to this DEXA was the, on my one month postpartum appointment after I had had Dominic, um, you know, where they put you on the scale and you're like, Oh, that's good to know. So in October, um, and indexes you don't want to do very often because you get a little bit of radiation from them. So I would say every three months um, is the most often that someone would want to do them. So I did one October of last year and I was um, 22.6% body fat and I was 100 and about 25 pounds, um, which is kind of a number that I expected. Um, the 22% was actually a little higher than I thought because I felt like I looked different. But then I also had to remember that as you get older, a different, but this, the same level of body fat is going to look different on you as someone gets older. So if you've ever looked at the body fat charts, um, you'll notice that the younger, younger ages can get away with a lower percent of body fat. That's sort of the necessary amount of fat that someone should have, or like the vital fat that someone should have on their body. And as you get older, you can get away with a higher percentage, but still look like you did when you had a lower percent when you were younger, if that makes sense. I will see if I can put a chart in the show notes as well for reference. So I did have to keep that in mind. Like I am seven years older than I was the last time I had my body fat tested. Not seven years. That's not true. It's like five years. Um, and I was 16% the last time that I did that. But again, that was five years ago. So being 23%, I was like, oh, that's actually more than I thought. Cool. That means I have a lot of room. For, to progress. That's great. Then through October through, well, I would say from October through December was when I ran that initial experiment around. I was sort of toying with the idea of competing at that point. So I was, I ran like a very mild experiment. Like, let's see if I can make these tiny adjustments and see what kind of progress I can make to get a good gauge of if I actually committed to the show, what I'd be able to achieve in just that 12 weeks. So from October 25th to January 22nd of 2019, I dropped down to 20.8% body fat. So I lost 2% body fat um, and lost two pounds. So I was also looking at my lean mass and I only lost body fat, which was great. My lean mass stayed exactly the same, which was a goal. So I had a really good baseline going into the contest prep, which I started around the 15th of January. And then the last one that I did was on the 2nd of April. So it was literally four days before the competition. And I wanted to have it be as close as possible. And I measured at 18.9% body fat, um, which was still higher than I thought based off of how I looked and felt. So I was like, cool, good to know. Um, It means nothing on stage. So that didn't matter. It was more literally out of curiosity and for the sake of gathering data points. Um, and I was 119 pounds. So, and I have not been that low since like before I got married, which was a while ago. Um, so I was also had gone down when I had done my first exercise, I was 28 pounds of 
fat mass and I got down to 23 pounds of fat mass. So I only lost a few pounds during that whole prep, um, about barely six pounds. And I maintained every ounce of lean mass, which again was one of my goals. So the only other cool data point was the visceral fat. So I went from 0.06 pounds of visceral fat to 0.4 pounds. So not a huge drop, but again, there wasn't very much there to lose from t- in the first place. So just some cool data points. Um, it's been, it's only been two months, so I'm probably not going to do another DEXA um, until probably the end of July, maybe early August, depending on how I'm feeling. But I am curious to see over these past few months, having sort of um, dealt with, you know, some unexpected things and how I, how different I felt in my body during that time. And then as a result of that, how, if, and how did it affect my body changes being that I was still fairly consistent diet wise. Again, I'm not being like strict or anything like that. Um, I'm actually trying to maintain uh, a lot of the macros that I hit before because I am playing with some new strength goals in the gym. And therefore, I need that extra fuel. So I'm trying to hit the higher calorie numbers, which, to be honest, is is pretty hard because I have to make sure that I'm like eating all the time, um, which sounds like a good problem to have. But <laughs> when you're like intentionally trying to eat more food, it's actually quite challenging to to schedule it all in. So I'm doing my best there, and then also anticipating that July is always a busy month. There are just events going on. Fourth of July is coming up um, and it's in the middle of the week. So like I'm having conversation with clients around, you know, scheduling food, not that we're scheduling food, but being looser with our food and allowing a little bit more um, flexibility and freedom around food choices and partaking and enjoying the experiences that are coming up um, for myself and for a lot of clients. That's sort of how I'm planning out my next month is to just kind of go with the flow and always, I always have my baseline of food of what I feel best eating. And if anything, that's probably one, been one of the most valuable tools that I've gathered for myself is like what my baseline needs are and what foods I can eat that make me feel the best, whether it's physically feel good, emotionally feel good, like I'm satisfied on all the levels. Um, knowing that for me has been a tremendous tool and a tremendous help in me just being able to like not worry about that part and worry about all the other things um, that I have to do in a day. <laughs> so like being able to grocery shop, I know I know my staples, I know what I like, um, and I look forward to seeing what what the next uh, Dexa scan says, and I'm I'm very curious. So if anybody is interested in learning more about that um, and you have questions feel free to shoot them my way. Um, the dexafit.com is a great resource. They, it's a company that's starting to spread out a little bit more all over the country where they still kind of on the edges, you know, on, on the coasts, but they are, um, opening a lot of locations in, uh, in more of the other States in the U S. So if you have one nearby you, you can look at their map to find one. They have a lot of great resources. Um, they're super friendly and easy to work with. And again, just one of the most accurate ways of tracking progress that I've found and, um, super easy and accessible. Um, and I think that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you guys again for listening to me ramble a little bit. Um, I know I kind of jumped all over the place today, but I hope I covered most of the questions that have come up 
for in regards to my post comp strategies, some of the things that I implemented. And I hope that me sharing some of my experience and the struggles that came up um, and how I navigated those were helpful for some of you as well. So thank you all again for tuning into another episode of Her Body, and I will catch you guys next time. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Her Body on Body IOFM with your host, Alex Navarro. And if you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.